Good morning, America. This is the Daily Answer. Disagree. This particular podcast recorded from Oak Ridge, Tennessee. That's right. Great place to visit. On this trip that my wife have I have been on, and of this airing of this episode, it will be close to three full years. I've been struck by how little man needs to survive, live, or even be comfortable. As my wife says, you only need one coffee cup. Yes, mankind can be comfortable with a couple of pairs of pants, a few shirts, a shoe, a couple of pairs of shoes, a good coat, a yeah, good sweater. I'm a big believer in a good sweater. I like my spider sweater from Costco. Thank you, Costco, for carrying a well-knit sweater that is not like $200. <laughs> you know, I don't need a $200 sweater. One fry pan, a few other cooking items, and you can you can make that work. Good way to live. You know, your stuff can be an anchor about your neck. And uh, I like, uh, we're pilgrims, we're nomads. Live light. One question that routinely shows up in those conversation starter games that my wife and I have collected and actually made our own list of 450 questions is um, a, a common one would be something like, if your house caught fire and you only had time to rescue one item, what would it be? And of course, if you're Christians, it's like, well, it's uh, to make the game where you could get a few different answers, you're not taking, uh, we're, always, we're already gonna assume that your Bible's outside the house. So besides your Bible, what would it take? Um, hopefully most of us, We'll never have to make that decision. Yet, I don't think that's a very realistic question at times. How many of us, um, I think the more realistic question is, if you found yourself downsized to a single 10 by 10 room, and let's say with a bathroom, okay, of all that you currently own, what would make the cut? 10 by 10 room, and it's not going to be cluttered. It's not going to be crowded, okay? 10 by 10 room and I'm going to grant you like a little bathroom and oh, I, I'm going to assume that the place that you're going to cook and sleep is in the 10 by 10 room. You've got a little kitchenette and you got a place to sleep. Over the years, visiting various people and Christians in long-term care centers, often that's the reality. They're in a 10 by 10 room. And when I visit them and have visited them, I've tried to observe, hmm, what made the cut of everything that they had owned over their lifetime, what ended up with them at the end of their days in that 10 by 10 room. And I remember a good Christian woman by the name of Eula. She had a rocking chair in her room. These thoughts started me thinking about two biblical examples, especially how little man needs at times. We think we need a lot of stuff and more importantly, we think we need a lot of resources. But consider the example of the prodigal son. In that particular parable, among other things, along these lines of kind of this theme, what struck me is that no one came along and exhorted the prodigal son to change his life, at least that we're told in the story. He did not read a book on self-improvement and neither had he attended some class for prodigals. There was nothing wrong with classes, books, or human interaction or exhortation, 
But what really struck me was that without any outside help, the man, the young man knew what he needed to do. All such outside help could not take the place of one single thing that the prodigal already had. One thing, and it was something that no one could give him. He had that already. That is the determination to own up, the free will to change and go back home with a repentant spirit. That capability, that potential was already in him. Thus, every single person on this planet has within them the ability to at least make the primary step or the initial steps to change. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God is not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. In Acts 17, 30, God is now declaring that all men everywhere should repent. I'm not sure if deep down most sinners, when by themselves at around three o'clock in the morning that they know they're not living right. When I was apart from God, I definitely knew that I was underachieving. Now, maybe if you've read, never read the Bible, you may not know precisely what you need to get rid of in every single detail. But I think guarantee this, even outside the Bible, most sinners know at least a partial list of what they need to get rid of. And, and also what they need to add to their life. It could be like basic honesty or, well, I got to stop stealing or I got to stop doing drugs. And then I think of King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, verse 28. I know that people speculate concerning his statement to the Apostle Paul. You almost persuade me to become a Christian. Was that said sincerely, cynically? Or with a chip on the shoulder, as in, you think I'm so gullible that you can win me over in such a short time with one single sermon. Yet, what I wanted to look at is, what does that statement admit? Always pay attention to when people outside of Jesus give their statement or excuse or rationalization, because often, it says a whole lot. First of all, he knew what a Christian was. He understood the meaning of the term, its true and original meaning, a faithful follower of Jesus. He knew, he knew that's what the term meant. Also, here's just as important. He knew what was not, he knew what was not a Christian. He knew he was not a Christian. Now, that's really, really important. It's really, really important to know that you're not a Christian. If you're outside of Jesus, it's essential that you know that's crucial. I'm not a Christian right now. Our country or world is filled with too many people who think they're Christians and who are not. Read Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. He knew that a Christian is something that a person becomes, that you will persuade me to become a Christian. There are steps, changes that are necessary. It's a choice. It demands something of you. He could not keep on thinking and living as he was and be a Christian. He said the Christian life and his current life were not compatible. Clearly, King Agrippa knew that becoming a Christian was not just believe in Jesus and you can currently keep everything in your present life.
No, I think the statement makes it very, very clear. He knew, hey, become, there is a cost to becoming a Christian. There are certain things you have to give up to become a Christian. There are certain things that they have to start doing now to become a Christian. You know, we need to be reminded that while we were helpless to atone for our own sins, that's Romans 5, 6 through 8. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. We are not helpless, though, when it comes to moving towards the cure or knowing what the cure is. Even in the pig pen, the prodigal was not helpless. Oh, that's an important thought. As Gary Henry observed, no matter how desperate the situation, there is always some step we can take in the right direction. The positive choice is always available. I think uh, Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, discovered that, that even in a concentration camp where you have been stripped of all your freedoms, there is one freedom that no one can take from you, and that is the freedom of how you respond. That is the freedom of your choice, free will. When you look at the prodigal son, all the theories about how we cannot change or that we're, well, we're kind of helpless pawns because of determinism or predestination or environmental and genetic issues or family background fail to explain how the prodigal could turn his back on such a good home environment and at the same time humble himself and correct his course. I mean, free will is all over that parable. Home had been good. He leaves. That's free will. The far country, he leaves that. That's equally free will. And, and both of those leavings were not easy leavings. It's, it's, it, it's, you have to harden yourself a little bit to learn to leave a very good, loving family and turn your back on them. You do. You have to harden yourself. You, you really have to kill a little piece of you in order to like leave a very loving congregation, people that have encouraged you and they've taught you over the years and kind of say, no thanks, I'm going off into the far country and um, and I reject everything you taught me. Yeah. But equally, when you're in the far country and things have really fallen apart, as they always do, man, it's not always easy to come back. Because when you come back, you have to admit, man, was I selfish, self-centered. Man, was I calloused and hard-hearted. And I have stabbed the Lord and other people who love me in the back. When I did that, I only cared about me. Interestingly, the environmental and genetics in the family did not force him to stay in the family. And all the baggage and bad habits and sins that obviously he had picked up in the far country could not keep him in the far country. He still had a choice in whatever environment he found himself. So do you and, and me. We always have that choice. Again, look at the prodigal in the far country. He has been stripped. He's lost everything. Okay. 
He's only got like the clothes on his back. Uh, he doesn't even have any shoes. Remember when he comes back, the father says, put sandals on him, etc." He's lost everything. He's even lost his shoes. Lesson for today. Be careful about going into sin. It will even take your shoes. <laughs> it will. It will. It will. It will get to the point that you'll be eating dirt and thinking that you're having a great time. But notice, and so he's been just stripped down to just the most basic. I mean, he's in a pig pen. He's looking at what the pigs are eating, and he's thinking that looks really good right now. Nobody cares about him. He has no friends. Notice he all his resources are gone. Okay. His money gone. His money is gone. All his connections are gone. He's burned all his bridges, or the other people have burned their bridges. And and he's in the pig pen. And you might say, boy, that's someone who has, as far as I can tell, he doesn't even have a spoon and a plate. I I remember a situation of a a girl that was um, you know, she was being exploited and she was being taken advantage of and she she found her way out she found her way out and she lived in a little room and all she has what all she had to her name besides whatever rags that were on her back was one spoon and one plate that's all she had well the prodigal doesn't even have a spoon and a plate that i can see yet you might say well this guy has no resources wrong wrong he has one of the most important resources that you could ever that you could ever have free will choice he still has that i will say to my father i've sinned against heaven and you, in your sight and i'm coming home with no demands no demands maybe you're like that maybe you're listening to that prog podcast and you've kind of strayed and you go like man i just I don't have the strength. I don't have the courage. I don't have the, I don't have the resources to make it back. Wrong answer. You do. You have within you, or I've been in the world too long. The pull of the world is too, too difficult. I picked up too many bad habits. You know what? You can change overnight. You can, it's amazing how many bad habits you can shed with one decision. You know what I, what, what looks like to me when the prodigal came to a census when a prodigal saw his true condition and what he had done. And when a prodigal makes that decision, I'm going to go and I'm going to own up. I'm going to come clean. I'm going to repent. Guess what? You know what? It really looks like that all the bad habits stayed in the far country. That at that point, at that point, all the bad habits dropped off him like water off the back of a duck and he headed home. So time for you to head home. Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. Until next time, we'll see you in the funny papers.